Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How many believes that's the truth? Amen. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. I'm so glad that I'm not an intellectual smart person because smart people try to look at this and try to figure all the weight, all the gravitational pull, all the forces of entering into the earth's atmosphere, even theologians and preachers, and they come up with the idea that there's no way that this can actually happen. I'm glad I'm just simple and I believe it. Aren't you? I don't need to understand it. I don't need to, you know, none of that stuff. I just believe it and I'm expecting it. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. Let us in church age, church age book, page 364. This is the last warning. There will not be another. The throne room has been set up. The twelve foundations have been laid. The streets of gold have been paved. The gates of gigantic pearls are raised and hinged. Like a pyramid, she stands so fair and glorious. The heavenly beings who have prepared her Watch breathlessly, for she glistens and shines with a glory that is unearthly. Every aspect of her beauty tells a story of amazing grace and Jesus' love. She is a city prepared for a prepared people. She awaits only for her inhabitants, and soon they will throng her streets with joy. Yes, it is the last call. The Spirit will not speak in any and another age. The ages are over. Now let's read the next paragraph carefully. The ages are over, but thank God at this moment, this age is not over. You see how easy you can get in trouble by stopping a quote? I say, you stop at that one. He said, well, the ages are over. Got to read the rest of it. At this moment, which is 1965, which is two years 
after the breach is preached, which a lot of the brothers that are saying mercy's over and all that, it's where they stop. Remember when you're pulling quotes from the, pre- from the breach, you're pulling it from a sermon before the seals is even opened. That's right, they wasn't open to the first seal. Well, I'm sorry I had to disappoint y'all like that right off, but it's very important to remember that. But thank God at this moment, this age is not over. And am I so glad? Because I wasn't even in then. I think of it, the church age book was finished in 1965. How many of y'all was not saved in 1965? Think of it. Where would you be? Was it not for the grace of God? He is yet crying. And his cry is not only in the spiritual ears, rather he is only in the spiritual ears of men by his spirit, but once again, a prophet is in the land. Well, there's been enough said. We can dismiss right now and say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. But I think maybe we should go a little farther, don't you? And we'd like to be remembered tonight in prayer. Heavenly Fathers, we approach you tonight, Lord Jesus. How can we ever truly express the way we feel? After such grace that has been given to us, Lord. Out of all the kind mercies that you've extended to us over and over again. Father, we're asking tonight that you would help us in this service. As we endeavor to look into our new home. It is with excitement and anticipation that we look forward to this place. Lord, no doubt many of us have been able to build a new home or buy a new home or be able to move in it and what anticipation and excitement there is. But yet, it don't take long. There's scratches on the walls. The doors begin to show signs of wear. The floors begin to creak and different things happen and the new wears off. But we're looking at a place tonight to where the new will never fade. Father God, we need your help and strength to help us along this way to to complete this journey. Lord, I have in my hand tonight, dear God, prayer cloth for a friend of Sister Brenda Thompson. You see this need, Lord, as we preach with it. May the Spirit of God, I pray, go to this need, Lord. Also, there was hundreds of hands that were uplifted in the visible audience, no doubt. Many streaming that as well had needs in their lives or home, their bodies. We bring them to you, Lord Jesus, knowing that you're mindful. Speak to us tonight from your word, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated, saints. Brother Bill, I hear him pray and sing. Where's he at tonight? God bless you, Brother Bill. Good to see you, buddy. Sure praying for you a few weeks ago when he was having your trial. Thank the Lord for his grace to bring you through. Oh, my. Our new home. Well, with this service, I feel I must give you another warning. This service may cause um, bouts of sadness. It may cause your heart 
to have a deep longing. And you may experience extreme bouts of dissatisfaction and discontentment with your present state. Your old pest house may become more pesty. You may like yourself a whole lot less after tonight's service, which proves it was a success. Because after looking at such a place, it makes us realize what we have in this life, at life's best, whatever you would deem life's best to be, it would be in comparison to you living on top or halfway down of the Johnson City landfill or the Carter County dump. The stench of rotten food, of the methane gas that is released from all the decomposition of bodies and food and debris and paper and plastics, the crows flying around, roaches all over the food, all kinds of smells and odors, that's the best life can offer, much less what your portion is. And then, all of a sudden, you would be moved from that landfill to a place where there is no more night. To a place where there is no sickness, no sorrow, no despair, no pain, no heartaches. Would you ever want to go back to that dump again? Would you ever have any desire whatsoever to ever go back to that place that you formally called life? <laughs> no way. Whenever John is carried in this stage of the book of Revelation, in this part of the vision, he's seeing many, many wonderful things. But now John is able to be brought up into a place that no one has actually ever seen before. Ezekiel saw wonderful things. Zechariah, Malachi, many of the prophets saw tremendous things in the presence of God. But no one saw or experienced what John saw. He truly was blessed. And we are blessed to live in this age, are we not? When not only to hear these things preached about, but to be, I believe, the people that are fixing to experience this city. John is going to get a revelation of something that will take the Spirit of God to help him understand it. And I believe it'll take the Spirit of God to help us. Because it runs in spiritual parallels, types, shadows, foreshadows of things from the old revealing into the deeper depths of the new. 
Now, John, whenever he looked and saw this, it must have been overwhelming. Now, we know that from what the prophets declared to us when they were in visions, that they felt fear, they could feel anxiety. When the prophets saw the church in the dream, or the vision rather, and he saw her naked, and he saw her with the gray strips of paper on her, the vision so moved upon the prophet's being that he felt embarrassed, he felt a failure, he felt shame, he felt anxiety. Is that right? Now when he saw the Alpha Bride, he rejoiced, he thanked God, but when he saw the church, then he said, you mean this is the best that we could do? Out of all my labor and the brothers that have preached, this is, now in the vision, he is experiencing a depth of sorrow and anxiety and trouble. And somehow God allowed that to merge over into the carnal, the natural realm. So when Brother Branham tells this hereafter, you're able to sense it in his voice. Whenever he relates it to the people, you can hear that there is a part of him which seems as if though it's carried back in the vision and he relates it unlike just reading it, but he relates it with an affinity to his own emotions, to his own being, and tells it in such a way that he wants to make such an emphasis and an impact upon the hearers that hopefully he can turn them if they're in that church. So we know then that the prophets not only in their visions experienced anxiety and trouble, Remember Isaiah in Isaiah 6.1 whenever he saw the vision of the Lord and he heard the voice and he said, Who here? Here am I. Send me, Lord. Send me. So God allowed this man moving in the realm of the fourth dimension to be able to be so impacted so the visions the prophets would have, they would come out of them and they would be shaking and quivering and Remember when Brother Branham saw, he come to himself and he said, get back in line, get back in line. So he actually emerged from the fourth dimension where prophets see their visions into light, matter, and time. And wherever he came back into light, matter, and time, he was so influenced by what he saw that he's saying in the earth what he saw in the fourth dimension in that realm of vision. So no doubt John as he experienced these sometimes visions that were horrific and terrible and almost traumatizing to a human to see. And whenever he was able to move them from those visions that he saw into this realm of vision 
of seeing heaven and seeing the bride and the future state of the kingdom of God. Oh, his, his human feelings must have transcended anything he had ever felt before as a mortal. Now remember this man had walked with the Lord Jesus before and after his resurrection. He's one of the very few mortals on the earth that ever saw and fellowshiped and had time with a glorified body. Glory be to God. But yet what he saw in this vision must have been overwhelming. To see heaven unfold and to see the parallel of what God was doing here in the first century A.D. This is 96 A.D. And seeing the future state of the church bride and what God was going to do. Now let's read if you would in Revelation 21, 9. And there came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues. Now remember when you read the book of Revelation that there are a couple of sets of seven angels. There are seven church age angels which were men influenced by a supernatural influence from heaven, but they were angelical or angelius, which is the Greek Aramaic word for angels, which means men anointed with an angelic embodiment or the spirit from God. Now these seven angels were men who come to the earth church age messengers. Then they come and live, and then they lived their life, completed their journey, went on into their theophany. But the seven angels which had the seven vials and the seven angels of the seven trumpets, they are not men. They are not the seven church age messengers, but they are actually angelic beings from the presence of God. How many understands that? So when John sees this then, one of the seven angels, and I realize there's people around our message that are trying to look for every scripture they can in the Bible to allocate it to Brother Branham. And they're making Brother Branham the trumpet angel. They're making Brother Branham the seal angel. They're making Brother Branham the vial angel, so on and so on and so on. And yet Brother Branham himself never done that. So remember, when you're doing that, you're applying the word in a way the prophet of God himself never done it. And you're walking on dangerous ground. Now, whenever John then sees this angel, he's seen him before, but it was the seventh angel of the vials or the bowls is actually the proper term. It was a bowl. So he saw them with these vials or bowls of judgment. Now, it's amazing to me that it was this angel that showed it to him instead of the seventh church age angel, but it was the angel identified with wrath and judgment. And there came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues and talked with me saying, come hither and I will show thee the bride, the bride. The Lamb's wife. Come hither and I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. Now he doesn't say it was the seventh angel, the fifth one, the third one. He just says one of. So apparently that's all we need to know. 
So he says, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. Now I'm going to show you what represents the redeemed church. Now we know that all through the Old Testament that God and the New, that God would take actually cities and countries and run a parallel between them and a people. God does that, of course, with Rome. We know that Rome, whenever we say Rome, uh, that we identified as a city in Italy, which, by the way, the city itself is more known than the country itself. But yet we also, when we say Rome, we know there is a spiritual application which applies since the founding of the Catholic Church. So we use it interchangeably, and we can mean either the city or the Roman church. Is that right? So whenever we say Rome, it would be the same way when we would say spiritual Babylon that Brother Bill sang about a while ago. It would be the same way in Revelation 18. So the spiritual Babylon in Revelation 18, it is a city of sorts, but yet it is by representation a people. So a city can represent a natural state and it can also represent a people. So don't be alarmed that whenever the angel tells John to come, I'm going to show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And whenever John looks, he looks and sees, he don't see a bunch of people, but he sees a city. Now, that might seem strange, but remember by this stage of the visionary journey that John is in, he's seen many, many symbols and no doubt things that were quite overwhelming to him of what they symbolized. Some of them God told him what they were and others of them God didn't. He left them for the end time to be revealed. But by now, no doubt this is not alarming to John because he's already seen Rome symbolized. He's already seen Babylon symbolized. So now whenever the angel would say this and he's carried up and he looks and sees and he said, come, I'm going to show you uh, the bride, the lamb's wife. Well, maybe John in his mind thinking, well, it's going to be a woman, maybe. But that's not what he saw at all. But keep this spiritual parallel in mind now as we go down through this. So we know that the great prostitute who is riding on the beast's power is also identified as a city, right? And that is, of course, is the Roman Catholic Church, which is also Rome. But so the wife of the lamb is also going to be portrayed as a city. But remember, in the symbolism of the city, is really the mystery of her life. Now remember the quote that I read to you from the church age book, that every aspect of the beauty of this city displays the grace and the mercy of God. So even the measurements, the divine numbers, the divine numerals of God, which are found in this city are spiritual symbols. The metals used in the creation of the city are also spiritual symbols. The colors of the stones are also spiritual symbols. The height of her, the breadth of her, the very shape, the geographical measure by which she is designed is also reflecting the bride. So when John looks and he sees, uh, looking for the bride, and he sees what? A city. 
So it's similar to what when John uh, was standing there and they was looking for someone to take the book, the seven seal book, and open the book. And one of the elders said, John, weep not for the lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed. And John turned expecting to see a lion, and John sees a lamb. Right? So here, maybe John, under his anticipation, he, he turns and he, he looks to see a woman or a church, maybe a many-membered bride body, but instead, he sees this enormous city, which is reflecting the rainbow colors, and he sees a brilliance about her that is so bright that it outshone the sun, he saw such things about her that was overwhelming, and yet the angel called this the bride, the lamb's wife. Would you like to take a journey there tonight? Now, the prostitute, of course, of Revelation 17, merging over into Revelation 17, uh, she is actually without a God-given husband. Now, of course, she's married to the devil, but she claims she's married to God. But she's out of a holy union with God. I mean, no, because of that, she has no husband to be able to protect her from the wrath of God, the judgment of God. But here now we see that the bride, because the bride is married to Christ, she has a husband which has protected her from the wrath of God. Babylon will be destroyed. Rome will be destroyed. Washington, D.C., New York City, on and on and on. The cities of the world will be annihilated, but this city that John saw coming down out of heaven will never be destroyed. Now remember, that's a symbolism of eternal security that the bride has in the presence of God. She can never be Annihilate. So the city is a bride as well as being the place of the bride. So it is the bride and it identifies where she will also live. Now notice in verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit. Carried me away. Now this had happened, of course, to John several times. Happened to Ezekiel. Many of the prophets were carried away by this. And they're moving in the realm of the fourth dimension. Remember the fourth dimension is where prophets see their vision. So they're able to be transposed, almost transfigured, so they can be taken from mortality. The Spirit of God comes upon them, and God gives them a temporary resurrection, if you will, and moves them into a sphere by which they can move beyond light, matter, and time. And they move into the realm of spiritual science to where God is able to take them from right here. Now they might be sitting right here in front of you and you're looking at them and they're looking straight ahead but they can't hear you. They, you're tapping them on the shoulder, you know, and it's like they're passed out, their, their eyes are open and they're in a trance. But yet in reality, they've done travel by vision plumb up into the seventh dimension where God is. And you're pecking them on the shoulder and you're tapping them, wake up, wake up, wake up. But they can't wake up because they're in in that realm of vision. So John being carried away into this vision, and notice what he says that he saw. And he carried me, apparently this angel, he carried me, carried me, carried me, carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. 
Now remember the angel said, come and I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And yet here now he starts in the unfolding stage of this vision and he begins to see what? I thought we're looking for a bride. Well, listen now. He carried me away in the spirit to a great and high Mountain. Now, would you ever be able to identify a woman with a mountain? Well, if you have spiritual insight, yes, you could. So you'd be able to see then that here is a mountain. Now, keep in mind, the angel said, I'm going to show you the bride, the lamb's wife. So this is very important for the prophets, of course, as the vision would unfold, that they would have to refer back as they're in these stages where they don't understand what's happening. So they have to keep falling back on the words of the one giving them the vision and moving them into that realm. Okay, more will unfold, more will unfold. Don't get in a hurry. Just keep waiting, waiting for it to unfold. So here he sees this stage of the bride, and it is a great and high Mountain. He carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city. So now we're looking for a bride and we see a mountain capped off with a headstone being a city. Now remember the mountain itself did not come down out of heaven. But the capstone is actually a mountain in miniature form. Now look at the capstone as it would set down on the great pyramids of Egypt or the bride, the making of the bride in the church ages. And what is the capstone? It is a miniature mountain. So whenever they would build them the, the pyramids and leave the very top part flat, and I've been there in Egypt and saw it, and whenever they would leave it flat waiting for the stone of scone or the capstone to come and cap it off, then it would have been the very same thing in miniature form. So you've got this base of this gigantic boulders which are put together weighing thousands of tons. And then at the very top, you would be able to haul the very image of what you just made in a miniature form. Well, whether or not you understand it, that's you and the church ages. So what God does in you as an individual is the same thing he's been building down through the church ages. So God started there with, with Paul in the first apostolic age, forming it up, of course, bringing up through the Reformation, and then the restoration of gifts, and then capping it off, of course, in the end time with the rapture. And yet every individual that will come out on this last day will be a miniature of that work of God, and then God will set us right on top of the work of the church ages and when we cap off the church ages the resurrection will come praise God that's why I say friend that he's still not yet in reality now in spiritual form he has taken the book but in reality form he has not yet taken the book because when he does when he takes the book I'm one of the letters on the pages and so are you if your name is in that book Notice then, so when he does, it is a sign that the individuals in this life stage have reached their stage of maturity. You understand? So God's working on us day by day, trial by trial, test by test. And God is completing in us as individuals a miniature pyramid. Then when God gets this age finished, then he will cap off. Then there will be a resurrection. Then God can allow this life stage to set upon the entirety of the body 
body and the body will raise up, praise God, plumb further back thousands of years behind us. Now, whenever it does, then it will lead into what John is fixing to tell us now that he saw. Now, notice he said he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. So there must have been like momentum in the vision as John is seeing it. Now, there's part of these visions, of course, the prophets would see. And it would be more like in a picture form. That it would just be there and they would see it. There'd be no action, no drama, no moving to it at all. It would be more in a still form. But there would be other stages of their visions in which they would catch it as if though you would be watching a movie or a projector like this screen up here. And it would be projecting live movement as it would unfold. So apparently in the way that John describes this, notice he says that I carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem descending. So he catches it actually in action. So he's not looking at a picture. He's not looking at something that is still, but John actually catches the city. At it. Oh my God, praise God. He catches it actually as it is in its movement descending down to cap off the mountain which is pushed up out of the new earth. Now remember what John is seeing is the same thing and spiritual type of what is going on with you. So when God begins to remold the earth and the earth passes away from one stage to another and the volcanoes begin to explode and there will come, the gases will shoot up for hundreds of miles into the atmosphere and the atmosphere will change and the earth of course will be straightened back up, tilt back up on her axis but she will also be changed and the continents will be realigned again according to the original alignment. The tilt on the axis will be taken care of, of course, in the millennium. But yet God is going to move upon it and for hundreds of feet deep, the scars of the old world will pass away. And John said, I saw no more sea. Now, God is going to unveil in this of what he wants to be in the bride, that he's going to take all the worldly resemblance away from her, and she will not look like her counterpart, but she will have a new birth image. Amen. You say you got the Holy Ghost, and you're still running around, look like the world, and act like the world. You need a new image. That's right. So John watches now. He doesn't mention about the earth pushing up. But in this stage, he's watching as it's dropping down out of heaven and he sees it descending. Now remember, there is a parallel to this as well. So he sees it as it comes down out of heaven and it's fixing to set down on top of this gigantic mountain. Now remember, the city itself is 1,500 miles square. Can you imagine how big the mountain is? The city itself is the cap on top of the mountain. Oh, blessed be the Lord. Remember, oh, hallelujah. The city comes from the eternal, which is the eighth day. 
Now remember, eternity is eight, always eight, and it speaks of new creation. So it comes from the eternal, but it lands down upon this earth, which has been brought through seven ages, from the Old Testament, seven ages of the new, and then the eternal comes down and sets right down on top of this new mountain as the Holy Ghost caps you off, as we cap off the ages behind us. Same story, over and over again. Now what's this in the future home in paragraph 292? When the holy fire of God sterilizes the earth with the chemicals, he lifted up his bride who can come into heaven with him while this is going on. Now here Brother Branham breaks into the time of the earth in her stage or her cycle, final cycle of the new birth. That the bride would be lifted up off the earth after the white throne judgment, after the millennium. The bride will be lifted up off the earth while the earth is going through this catastrophic change and explosions and fires and earthquakes and volcanoes are spewing out and all this is going on so the bride is carried up into heaven because remember this city that John sees is actually not heaven but it comes down from heaven it actually wasn't there in the beginning It actually wasn't there before Jesus came down. It wasn't there. (laughs) Glory. It wasn't there when Enoch was translated. It wasn't there when Elijah went up. It's only been there in the last 2,000 years. Now I'm going to let you think on it and then I'll prove it to you. Now what's this? Brother Branham, as he brings it now to the earth, is getting its purification. So he has lifted his bride, which can come into heaven with him while this is going on. And comes back upon the earth again, a new heavens and a new earth. The cold winter can't hurt it. The hot summers can't hurt it. The desert will blossom as a rose. Sin and sinners are gone. God and his creatures and creation is dwelling together in perfect harmony. Now watch how that God shows John this. And Brother Brandon brings and picks it up. As the heavens and the earth is husband and wife, so is Christ and the church. And they all meet in one big glorious plan of redemption and is brought right into the bosoms of God again. You see it. Yes, I do. And I thank you, Lord, that I do. Notice, and in the new earth, there is a new city. Oh man, now listen close. Don't forget this, that Jesus said in St. John 14, he would go to prepare. Let not your hearts be troubled. When he was going away, I have a reason to go away. You believed in God, he said, believe in me. They couldn't see he was God. Said, you believed in God, now believe in me. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now notice when Jesus says this in St. John 14, Behold, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. So this city was not actually in existence in city form when Jesus was on the earth. Now remember, it is eternal, so it must have come from an eternal source, But it was not in this form. (laughs) 
It was in the, from the source of the eternal, but it was not in this form. It did not look like a city. Amen, amen. But he said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. So can you imagine how Jesus has been 2,000 years there in creating this city, plus being high priest to all of us poor old mortals that needed a high priest? I'll tell you, we've kept him quite busy, have we not? You know, for 2,000 years, the whole thing has been about us. Since he left the earth, but the time he's been there interceding for us and our ignorances and pleading for us. But at the same time, everywhere you look outside there, there's signs under construction. <laughs> Can you imagine wherever this zone is in the realm of the eternal? That there has been construction going on for the last 2,000 years. The great creator is creating all of this gold, all of this jasper, all of these beautiful, beautiful things that are there. He has been there creating them and serving as our high priest for 2,000 years. What a mighty God. Notice this. He says... In my father's house is many mansions, and my father's kingdom is many palaces. Christ is there under the construction of this new Jerusalem now. 8 to 64. But I want you to notice how far it had advanced. By the end of 65, when the church age book was completed. Now, he didn't tell us what stage it was in, in future home. The Lord had another year, year and a half. To go ahead and unfold his creation there in heaven. By the time, oh, praise God. By the time it was getting close for the prophet to be able to finish his ministry and leave the earth and the Lord inspired him. You believe that was inspired? He was inspired to say that. To let us catch a view of how close the city was. That the gates, the foundations were already laid. The gates were already made, hinged and hung. The streets of gold had already been paved. Oh, my goodness, friends. Here we are in 2019. I imagine everything is ready and waiting. Praise be to God. Don't you understand the parallel of his work on earth is the imagery of what he's doing in heaven. Don't you understand? He, as creator, he's reflecting in heaven what he's doing and by his act of intercessory work as mediator through the church ages. What's he doing in the church ages? He's building a bride. He's building a body on the earth that he can present to himself. A church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And while he's doing that in heaven, he is reflecting the great, oh my, the great part of his attributes, which is creator. Can you imagine how much gold that it would take to be able to build a city like this? 1,500 miles that way, that way, that way that way and that way and the wall was angling on a 60 degree angle the wall was 216 feet tall and they say by estimates 232 foot thick where did he get all that spoke it 
Then tell me what you're facing that's too big for your God to handle. Oh, blessed be the Lord God. Hallelujah. Notice he said Christ is there under construction of this new Jerusalem now. Now remember, it's not heaven. I hope you can understand tonight, the devil has never been allowed to set one foot in this new place. Because if one demon sneaked over there beside, beyond them no trespassing signs, it wouldn't be fit for the children of God to be able to walk into you imagine all this construction? Now, there ain't no saws and hammers and air compressors and all that sort of thing going on over there, but it's the Creator by His Word speaking, let there be, let there be, let there be, and there he is, and there he is, and there he is. And you imagine the devil every time he goes up before the throne of God and the demons that try to accuse you, they like to stick their big long nose over there beyond them and them walls or whatever it is that's hiding them and keeping them out and they are so curious of what's fixing to take place well devil in the end let you in on something you want to know what God's doing up there in heaven look at what he's doing at happy valley look at what he's doing around the world he's building a bride out of similar material spoken word seed oh hallelujah what's he doing on the earth he is building a bride a body which has what 12 foundations she has gates of pearl she has a wall about her which defines her perimeter she has all of these great parallels which John sees in the city itself Notice Christ is there under the construction of this new Jerusalem now. Now listen, don't move, don't miss this. Christ is in heaven today preparing the new Jerusalem. Notice that Jesus said in St. John 14, now go prepare a place. Oh, what will it look like? Did you ever think now, bride, what will it look like? It is prepared and designed by the divine architect. What will that city look like? Now we're going to talk about it for a few minutes. The divine architect has prepared it, designed it, and look, he has designed it with tender hands for his beloved bride. What's it going to look like? Can you imagine a man marrying a wife that's able how he builds and puts every little thing just exactly to her touch. Just what she would like. Amen. Think of it. You're not even there, but it'll be 100% to your satisfaction. Oh my, you're not picking out the colors. You're not picking out the square footage. You're not picking out, oh my. You're not picking out anything, and yet everybody that's allowed to be in there, nobody will say, I don't like this. There'll never be anybody there will say such a thing. Nobody will ever walk down them streets of gold and say, if it asked me, I'd have used concrete. I'll tell you one thing, I'd have never used Jasper. I'd have never, nobody there will ever complain about the decor. They'll never complain about the building materials or the builder. They'll never complain about anybody that's allowed to live inside that city. It will be peace forevermore. There'll never be no trouble. There'll never be no heartache. There'll never be no anxiety. Oh, my. Can you imagine a man marrying a wife that's able to hide bills and puts... Every little thing exactly to her touch, just what she would be. Amen, what she would like. Notice this, he says, now the divine architect 
has designed the new city where he will live with his bride just to her touch. No wonder the apostle said, I have not seen, ear has not heard, or neither has it entered into the heart of man. Let's see if we can probe into it just for a moment and see what it's going to look like. Y'all want me to stop? I was just giving the option I wasn't going to anyway. I was just asking. Now notice this. The divine architect has designed this for his beloved. Oh, what a place it must be. One divine nature, a divine architect has designed it for a divine attribute. That's been divinely predestinated by divine God. Who is the author of divine life? I guess you know who's going to live there, don't you? The divine family. We ain't Reagan's, we ain't Babs, we ain't Smith's or Yonce's. We're the divine family. <laughs> Amen. Oh, glory be to God. I'm going to read that again. It was so good. What a place it must be when divine nature and a divine architect has divined it for a divine attribute that's been divinely predestinated by a divine God who is the author of divine life. What will that city look like? Think of it. Well, praise be to God. Let me tell you something, friend. There ain't enough trouble. There ain't enough difficulty. There ain't enough hardship to keep you from going if you want to go. If you want to go tonight and you say, well, Brother Donnie, I don't know if I can do it or not. If you want to go, you can go. That's right. If you want to go, it's God, but God's obligated to give you a place where you can say, oh, you may not be bride. But remember, the nations will live outside the city. That's that whosoever will go. Let them come. We're not trying to keep people out. Let them come. They may not be bride. They may not be Rebecca type. But if they don't want to go to hell, they don't have to. The drunk, the sinner, the liar, the whoremonger, the most wicked person in Johnson City don't have to go to hell unless they want to go to hell. Notice this. Now the divine architect has designed this new city where he will live with his bride. He just keeps saying this just to her touch. Oh my, just to her touch. Let's look at this next paragraph now. Remember, it's not heaven. John said, I saw it come down out of heaven. It's to be on earth. I love it when Jehovah Witnesses come knocking on my door. I ain't seen that in a long time. But I love it when they come knocking on my door and asking me, would I talk to you a little bit about the Bible? Do you read the Bible? I said, I read the Bible a little bit, yeah. I do read the Bible a little bit. Well, are you looking for heaven to go? Are you going to fly away to heaven or you think it's going to be on the earth? So we'd like to talk to you a little bit about it. Come on in. <laughs> oh, praise God. Well, sure. Oh, yeah. I love to lead them on for a little bit. Oh, you believe you're going to fly off to heaven? I do. But I don't believe I'm going to stay. I believe I'm going to come back. Oh, really? Well, you're, you're not the normal type. You are a Christian. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, you go to church. I go over to Happy Valley Church of Jesus Christ is where I attend. What do you do over there? I'm the preacher. 
<laughs> oh my, hey friends, it's going to be right here on the earth. Oh, but Brother Donnie, my goodness, I, I, I've hated this earth. It ain't going to be the same one you left. When you leave this earth and your rapture, it's going to be worse than it is today. There's going to be more darkness, more sin, more trouble. But when you come back in the millennium, it's going to be a total different place. And when you come back in the eighth day, it's going to be even different than it was when you was here on the seventh day. Notice this earth is not going to pass away. It's a redeemed earth. God didn't say he was going to raise up a new generation. He's going to redeem the one that's here. He ain't going to raise up a new generation. He redeems the one that's already here. He ain't going to make no new world. It's this one right here. He's just going to burn it off. Cleanse it like he did you. His plans must forever remain. Now look, it's going to be. Remember, it's not going to be heaven. As he says on tape when he says it. It comes down from heaven. It's a dwelling place. A place to dwell in. To take up his abode. Like it was John on the Isle of Patmos. Here in Revelation 21. He saw it descending. John saw the city as he says on tape. Descending from the head of heaven. Like a dove. Like he seen it. Here come God. Down upon his earthly tabernacle. Now, wait a minute, I, I thought we was talking about the, the new city coming down out of heaven, landing on the earth, and then all of a sudden, Brother Ram jumps from the new city to the Jordan River. Well, he just got messed up there. No, you're messed up for thinking he was messed up. He wasn't messed up. He knew exactly what he was doing. Now what? So you'd, you'd think now that he says, here come God descending on his earthly tabernacle, Jesus in the descending out of heaven. Notice in the descending out of heaven. In the descending out of heaven. So we jumped in from the new city and the new earth to the king of the new city and the new earth. And then we find that there is a wonderful parallel. So here is God's part of the old earth. God's part of the old earth being baptized, speaking prophetically that God will take this part of the old earth and parochomia, it will pass away and change into another form. Now remember the same body the Lord Jesus died in was the same one that was raised up and resurrected. Is that right? Now remember he, lived, he looked to be about 50 years old, the prophet said. So he didn't just have a resurrection. But Jesus had a body change. So he had gray in his beard and no doubt he had a few wrinkles and things like that. He allowed himself to experience human age. And no doubt it advanced because of his great burden and work. So he was actually younger in age than what he looked like when he died. So his body was not just raised up from the dead, but he was raised and changed. Now that it, uh, it passes from the old earth into the image of the new. So here is the king of the new earth still standing on the old earth saying, I'm going to go away, but I will come again. And if I come again, I'm going to bring this new place. I'm testifying right now because I'm already bearing image of the new earth in my body. 
Oh, blessed be the Lord. I have changed myself, therefore I can and will change you. Notice this, here come God down upon his earthly tabernacle, Jesus. Now remember, keep this in mind. God came down on his earthly tabernacle, Jesus. So God, of course, is not a man, but God is a spirit. In the descending out of heaven, Jesus was baptized and went straightway. When he met the prophet, the word comes to the prophet. He was the word. And the prophet standing there denying all their denomination. Now remember, he jumps from John on the Isle of Patmos to John the Baptist in the river Jordan keep it straight now and when he's saying the word the word come right to him and the prophet was so shocked he said I need to be baptized of thee he said suffer to be so for it's becoming to us we know the message to fulfill all righteousness I'm the sacrifice it must be washed and he suffered him and when he went up out of the water, he said, I saw heavens open. The prophet saw it, he says. He saw heavens open. And here come descending out of heaven a form of a dove and a voice saying, This is my part of the earth that I have redeemed. And from this part of the earth, I will redeem the rest of it. Praise be to God. Here come descending out of heaven. Isn't it amazing that he, that he jumps from the new city coming from God out of heaven to, the, to this water baptism? Why? It's a very exact parallel, friends. This is my part of the earth that I have redeemed. And from this part of the earth. Now, what is God going to do? God is going to give the human body, the Son of God, this part of the earth to be able to redeem the rest of it. Now, not just us, but the planet itself. Itself. God had to take himself a human body out of the earth because if he can get a handful and be able to sanctify that handful of dust in a work of what he called redemption and sanctify that handful of dust and then cause that handful of dust to be able to bleed holy God blood for the rest of it, he can redeem the entire planet from that handful. Woo! Praise God. So God created himself a little small man. Jesus probably wasn't a great old big man when Brother Bram saw him. Small sort of fellow, weigh 130 pounds, something like that. Little bit sort of fellow. But God took a handful of dust and God filled that handful of dust with Zoe and allowed that handful of dust to hang on the cross. My God, my God, why self forsaken me? Be beaten, spit upon, laughed at. You understand? What is that? It's the work of the reason. Redeemer. But God said, this is my part of the earth. And I will take this handful, as Paul said, a little leaven leavens a whole lump. Well, we opposite that and go back the, the other way. Then a little power of God can leaven the whole brown lump. If a little leaven can leaven the whole lump, what can you do with a little bit of deity? <laughs> hey, Amen. A little handful of yeast can be able to take care of a whole bowl of dough, can it not? So if you can take one handful of deity and put it in the right humanity, glory to God, and be able to let that humanity be spilled on a cross, you will take that handful of dust and redeem not only the bride, not only the church, but you can redeem the entire planet of the earth. <laughs> Amen. 
This is my part of the earth. Can you imagine God wanting a handful of dust to live in? This is my part of the earth that I have redeemed. And from this part of the earth, I will redeem the rest of it. For he is my word made manifest in the whole world. I spoke into existence by my word. Hebrews 11. And Satan has held it at this time. But I've come to redeem it. So much of it has made his body. And I'm coming to dwell in it. So what's Jesus? A miniature earth. So you're his father God descending from from heaven coming right down and abiding in this miniature earth called the son of God. The fullness of the Godhead bodily. Praise the Lord. This is my part of the earth. And with this small part, I will redeem the rest of it. Oh, so much of it has made his body and I'm coming to dwell in it. Can't you see why Brother Ram jumps from the future home right over to to the Lord Jesus? Here's the king of the future home. Notice this. John said, oh, we jump from heaven to Jordan. We jump from Jordan back to heaven. John said, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem descending out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. Where did it settle on? Just exactly like it did on there upon the earth. Jesus was part of that earth. Friends, don't you understand? It's not three gods. It's not two, three beings in the Godhead. Jesus was the human part of God. He was the tabernacle. That was the Jesus part, the human part. But inside of him was the Logos. Praise God. Notice, oh my, Jesus was part of that hearse that the Holy Ghost descended upon. Is that right? And remained upon him forever. It can never leave him. It's always there. He and God are one. Always has to remain. And so John, so John saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem descending like a comet. Or. So here John takes him down. Didn't have to say a name because he was the name. So he washes the sacrifice and brings it up. And when he comes up, here stands the prophet John, seeing Father God descend out of the heavens with a voice saying, this is my son. This is my beloved son in whom I'm pleased to dwell. In whom I'm take. This is my part of the earth. I'm glad to finally have a permanent human house. (laughs) 
He dwelt in a bush, but he wasn't there long. He dwelt in a body of clay when he met Abraham, but he wasn't in there long. But God said, now I finally got a house I can live in. This is my body. Praise God. Oh, notice. He said, and John saw the city, New Jerusalem, descending like a comet or a dove coming down out of heaven and settling upon a redeemed entire earth. To do what? To claim every attribute that he made the earth for. You were not made for the earth. The earth was made for you. Every man that was represented in the eternity and every woman is redeemed then. She has been scoured and burned by fire. Can't you see why you got to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost? You can't have just a dried confession. Well, I believe the message. The devil believes the same thing. You've got to have, well, I go to Happy Valley. That don't mean nothing to God. The Holy Ghost has to baptize you into Jesus Christ. Jesus and his fiery temptations in the wilderness for 40 days. After that notice, it was ready for his ministry then. You're a part of the earth. Your body. Your soul is a part of God. An attribute of God displayed here on earth in a body. The body is to be redeemed. Now the soul is redeemed because it was in sin. Can you say amen? amen. You wasn't born saved. You was born lost. You was born an alien. You was born away from God. Well, glory. But now the soul is redeemed because it was in sin. It wasn't sin, but it was in sin. Amen. So God came down by a process of justification, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and redeemed your soul. And you being part of the earth, it's redeemed by it. You're in the process now. It's growing on. Your body was justified under Noah's baptism. The elements of the earth that your mama, whenever she ate fruits and vegetables and all that sort of thing, pulling the potassium, calcium, potash, petroleum, cosmic lights, all of that into her body that fed the nutrients of her body and went ahead and made your body them same elements as right here when Noah was here. And when the antiluvian destruction came on the earth, God was baptizing the earth, but he was also baptizing you in a sense, showing that you're fixing to get a new body. Praise be to God, your body was baptized under Noah when the Lord Jesus was here and his blood dripped out of his body, praise God, and dripped down on the earth. What was it signifying that that's the second stage of you? What are we waiting for? The earth to get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Your body was justified under Noah. It was sanctified under the Lord Jesus and that's fixing to get the Holy Ghost. When the earth is going to get its baptism of fire, you are on your way. I'm not there yet. No, you're not there yet, but you're showing where you used to be. Praise God. Your body was justified under Noah's baptism. You ought to hear Brother Bam when he says it. Hey, man, he kind of likes when he says it. And your flesh, when it dropped upon there, and the earth is to be cleansed by fire. The place where you live with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, a dwelling place for Christ and the bride, the new 
Jerusalem. Let's stand. Brother Eric, maybe we can show this first picture here. The new Jerusalem over the present Jerusalem. Let's read this again in Revelation 21.10. And he carried me away in the spirit in a great high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. The red outline that you are looking at is the base of your new home. Can't you see why there'll be no more sea? Look here, according to the left side here, it's from over into Greece. Look at the Mediterranean. It's got to be gone. <laughs> this is just the boundary of the base of your city. There's three gates on either side of this. They are spaced 500 miles apart. You thought Chicago was big. The Big Apple? Huh, it's sour. You imagine the city gates being 500 miles apart. We say, how will we ever get there? Think about it. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. While they are thinking, I will answer them. If you want to go from one gate to another, think about it. Praise God. 1,500 miles square. And the city lies four square. Now, this is just the city. The mountain, this is just the capstone. The mountain is still coming down. And then the base of all the rest of it is the nations of the earth that are saved. Can you imagine the billions of people? So these folks around the message that figures to them that they're 35. What are y'all going to do in a place like that? Just 35 of you. Get next to yourself. Our God's bigger than a 35-member bride. He carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem. Descending out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God. And her light was likened to a stone. Most precious. Even like a jasper stone. Clear as crystal. Praise God. Brother Eric, maybe we can pull up another here and just give them a little bit of a glimpse of some colors of their future home. Think of it, friends. The great creator. Jasper, sapphire, chalcedony, emerald, sardonyx, sardis, crystallite, beryl, topaz, chrysophorus, jacinth, amethyst. And can you imagine when the light from the throne of God hits on these foundational colors? 
Our God is a God of such beauty. He loves colors. He loves colors. You imagine there's going to be 12 foundations. As you know, most foundations of most houses and cities and buildings are in the ground. But these are way too pretty to hide. So you actually put the foundation layers of the city out where everybody will see them. And these are 20 feet thick. So it'll be 20 foot of one on top of the other, on top of the other, on top of the other, on top of the other. And the light of God coming, shining down through this. And the walls were of jasper, clear as crystal. You imagine? What's it going to be? The rainbow city. Praise God. Having the glory of God. And they'll have no need of the sun or the moon. I hope this don't shake you too much. John didn't say the sun and the moon wouldn't be there. He just said they won't need it in the city. The folks living on the outside will still be experiencing sunshine and moonshine. Not the kind you drink now. Why? Why? Eternity reflects the mystery of redemption. Those who lived in this on the earth get to live in this in eternity. And the saved of the earth, as John calls them, the saved of the nations, they are saved, yes, not elect. There's a difference in elect and saved. The saved of the nations, the kings that will be on the outside, They'll live on the outside. And you imagine what a view they're going to have? As they're seeing the light of God come down through this. Oh my. As the nighttime starts settling on the outside redeemed earth. And here is this beautiful paradise of God. With the light of God coming down through all of these tremendous colors. Every night. Every night. Whenever they go to looking up toward that city. Oh that city. Praise God. They bring their honor and their glory into it. They come in and see you and say, Wow, can you imagine living here every day? Because you don't have to leave unless you want to. If you want to go out and tread on the earth, well, do that if you want. But you don't have to live out there. But you come back in and they bring their glory into the bride city, into you. I know, friends, it's more than our minds can comprehend, is it? No. I mean, just to think, how, how could it be? I don't know. But I believe it with all of my heart. Praise be to God. Having the glory of God and her light was like a stone, most precious. But I love this. The word here for her light in the Greek is her light giver. Her light giver. Her light giver. Her light giver was likened to a stone most precious, like a jasper stone. In case you don't know who he is, he's the one that John saw on the throne in Revelation 4. He is our light giver. When the Father will hang over the Son, the embodiment of God on the throne, and that light will come 
Oh, I know folks are tired of the lamb. Some of the brothers in the message preaching, we don't need the lamb no more. We're past the lamb and we don't need the mercy seat. You might ought to read Revelation 21 because according to the scripture, the Bible says the Lord God and the lamb are the light thereof. This attribute of lamb is so precious to the almighty God, it will be through eternity. Come and I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. So if you think you don't need him now, he might decide he don't need you then. I still need the Lamb myself. I want to be identified with him not only as a mortal, but all through eternity. Don't you love him, saints? You believe it? Let's bow our heads together. Praise God, Lord Jesus. Father, how can we comprehend such greatness? Lord, we don't understand how it will all be. Father, we are so grateful that you've let us see what little bit that we do see. What little bit you've let us understand. We are so grateful. Heavenly Father, if we were just saved and lived the farthest outpost that there be in the new earth. Lord, if I would just be a saved man and not be bride at all, not even be in the elect body, but I believed you and I loved you and I lived the very best that I knew how. And I was the farthest one out from the city. And it took me longer than anybody to get there. I'd be so happy, Lord, just to be there and just to be able to come up and see you and see the city and have to go back out to my little humble abode, whatever it would be, that'd be on what I deserve. But Lord, I believe tonight by your grace, praise God, I've got citizenship in that city. It's not because of what I've done, how good I've been, but I believe you chose me, Lord. I thank you for that. It don't make me no better than nobody else. No greater, nothing at all. It's your grace. We love you tonight, Father, with all of our hearts. Oh, Jesus. May we, as the quote we opened up with, be a prepared people for this prepared place. May our earth, Heavenly Father, come under subjection to this new life on the inside. We were born lost like the rest of the world. That attribute had to be brought out of sin. It had to be redeemed. But praise God, it was able to be redeemed. Once we heard that eagle scream and come out, Father, we received the new birth, the stages, justification, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Then, Heavenly Father, now our bodies are headed in that same direction of redemption. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving us so much that you come down. You laid aside your splendor and your glory. I'm sure we cannot even appreciate what took place there at the river that day. Father God, coming into that human body to us, we've heard it so much. It's more tradition than anything else, I'm afraid. But what a great event that was that you were saying, this is my part of the earth. You had projected this through Moses, through the prophets, through the law. Oh, but God, now here it was on the earth. You had a handful of dust 
that you could take and redeem the entire planet with that handful of dust. Thank you, Lord Jesus. May you help us tonight, Father. We love you with all of our hearts. Praise God. Don't you love him, saints? Aren't you glad he came to the earth? Aren't you glad he became an instrument by which we, not only we, but this entire planet could be redeemed? Here come God like a comet. Well, you know, to me, the new city, if you want wish to look at it in such a way, compare it to an oversized comet on steroids. 1,500 miles square. Comets have hit the earth before. There's still craters in the earth to where we know that they've slammed into the earth and hit them. So here comes this gigantic, beautiful creation comet. 1,500 miles square, 1,500 miles high. I hope I ain't riding in it. I'll have to be changed if it's moving that fast, won't you? And you'll imagine here it comes and sets right down on the mountain which is pushed up from the very center of the earth. Praise God. As we just looked at the base of it from where it will come there, all the area will be totally changed and transformed. The Mediterranean will be gone. Iran, Iraq, Mesopotamia, Greece, Italy, all of those places will have to be changed to receive the headship of the new city. Praise God. I'm bound for that beautiful city. My Lord has prepared His own Where all the redeemed of all ages Sing glory around the white throne For heaven and the glory joy that will be my Savior I see in that beautiful city of gold oh I'm bound for that beautiful city my Lord has prepared for his own we're all Sing glory around the white throne. Sometimes I and the glory there shall be old. What a joy that will be when my Savior I see in that city of gold. Praise God, I'm bound for that beautiful city. My Lord has prepared for His own. Oh, let's sing it before we go. All the redeemed of all ages, they'll sing glory around the white throne. 
Never be crepe on the doorknob. Ever be crepe on the doorknob. No funeral train in the sky. No graves on the hillside of glory. Thank God, think of it. For there, never more die. The old will be young forever transformed in a moment of time immortal withstand in his likeness the stars and the sun to outshine oh I'm bound for that beautiful city my Lord prepared for his own for all the redeemed of all ages sing glory around the white throne sometimes I grow homesick for heaven and the glories I there shall behold joy that will be when my Savior I see in that beautiful city of God. Oh, I'm bound for that beautiful city. My Lord. 
dismissed tonight. Oh, I'm going home. I'm going soon. Oh, I'm going where I belong. You feel that way tonight? now 